Hi everybody, this is your friend Anthony Burrows for Life and Finances with Sacrifice and Service. Now, every Bahamian can recite the world-renowned tourism commercial. It's better in our country. It's better in my country. It's better in the Bahamas. Now, the spirit of that art speaks to the majestic beauty as well as the magnanimous nature of our people and those of us occupying this archipelago. And the thing is, while traveling abroad and a person learns that I am from the Bahamas and the Bahamian, immediately they'll repeat, and some people will even sing it, they'll repeat, it's better in the Bahamas, and then they go into some of the things, maybe when they were here and what have you. Now, see, the thing is, it's an accepted fact outside of these shores that it's better in the Bahamas. But the idea is that we must start believing that. And the thing is, the story about behind how that ad came about, there was a gentleman in the 70s working for the Ministry of Tourism. His name is E. John Delaval. And they were working with one of those Madison Avenue companies that do uh, put ads together. And the name of the company was NWS Advertising. And this, of course, was in the 70s. Now, what he said to them as they were brainstorming for hours and days, he said to them, hey, put an ad together and all I want here in it at the end or beginning throughout it, I want it conveyed. It is better in the Bahamas. And the thing is, boom, that's how the ad came. It ran for 40 years. Now, today, Dave, I figure, hey, I would have just modernized it. But they know went ahead. Ministry of Tourism has totally changed it. And now they're pushing this notion, fly away with Lenny Kravis, which, um, which is good, I guess, the change. But this here is something that's us. It's better in the Bahamas. Now, today allow me to conduct a discourse. And I guess you figure by now what my discourse is. It's better in the Bahamas. Now, the slogan for some place, some Bahamians may be a challenge because they've been brainwashed over the years that, hey, it's better elsewhere. And you know, as Caribbean people, we love to immigrate to the perceived wealthier countries for greater opportunities. When you look at it, in the United States, there are 4.4 million Caribbean people living there. In Canada, 450,000 Caribbean people. In the United Kingdom, 598,627 Caribbean people living in the United Kingdom. Now, when you look at the population for the entire Caribbean, the entire Caribbean population is 44 million people. and oh, But the thing is, out of that, that population represents less than 1% of the world population. Now, in the Caribbean, the countries with the larger population would be like Cuba, Dominican Republic, Haiti, Jamaica, Trinidad, Guyana, countries like those. So those are the ones that have the larger population, just in case you're wondering where 44 million people came from. Now... Let's take, bring this home and let's look at the amount of Bahamians, for instance, living in the United States. And the estimate, based on my research, is that 26,000 Bahamians are living in the United States, which represents 7% of our population. And whenever persons emigrate to other countries, it's a reflection of their perception for the future of their country. So that means 7% of persons, well, some persons, their yeah, parents would have just grabbed them and carried them, but that means... For all intents and purposes, 7% of Bahamians that saw no future in the Bahamas. Wow. 
I'm always of the opinion, when you apply yourself, wealth, education, careers, athletic prowess, no matter where you are on the planet, you can make it. For instance, you got guys in Mogadishu, a successful businessman. You can look up where Mogadishu is and see the situation there. But persons are making a go there and becoming prosperous. So if you could do it there, same thing in Iraq, Iraq, Afghanistan, war-torn areas. People apply themselves and still accomplish. Let's do that. Now, I came across an interesting article from a Bahamian who returned home from the United States after living abroad for many, many years. Now, let's look at the percentage of Caribbean people that's living in the United States. 12% of the Caribbean population are living between the U.S., Canada, and the United Kingdom. And when you look at it, at least for the Bahamas, our net population, um, I should say net migration is still positive. That is, when you compare the amount of people coming in and then the amount of people going out, we have far less that's going out than that's coming in. And uh, when you look at internal migration now, Dorian, COVID, and other economic challenges, of course, persons to emigrate from the various islands and to come to Nassau, New Providence, which has put more toll and stress and strain on the resources here, be it BPL, BTC, whatever, the roads, and what have you. So it's, and, and it increases the stress level on the island. Now I was looking at some island population, and I like to, when I look at the island population, let's look at the percentage of the females to the males. Now, Ragged Island, for instance, they got 44 males, 28 females when um, adults, when I, this is, these are for adults. When I looked at it, it's like, wow. Garda Key, Abaco, 44 male adults, 11 female adults. Boy, Berry Islands, 461 males and 346 females. These are adults. Now, while 7% of the Bahamian population is residing in the United States, persons are flocking here to take their place and seize opportunities that they never envisioned where they lived. I know the weight of daily living is a burden on us sometimes, and it also clouds out possibilities that's directly in front of us so we don't see it. Think about it. Every day you commute to and from work. You see the beautiful skies, the soothing salty air, birds singing, the sea lapping onto the shore. But all of this goes unnoticed. Now, foreigners and foreign persons, they are eager to come here. That's those who may be wealthy persons as well as persons deprived and living in state of deprivation in their countries. They are eager to come here. Now, the wealthy ones come and they take up residency and, and Normally, they'd have to purchase a home in excess of, say, $750,000 to get immediate residency or can prove that they are financially independent or, like I'm saying, being a homeowner, buying a home at $750,000. Then you have persons who come, you have spousal residency, you have persons on work permits. Now, work permit ranges between five dollars and $12,000. The thing is, government utilized the, the work permit as a revenue generator, I forget, I think it was 40-some, I can't remember how much a million they raised in 2018 and 2019. But the thing, thing is, which means that government, which is supposed to be a protector of our nation, just, well, anyhow, you draw the conclusion from that, right? And that's not any particular government, that's just governments in general. Now, when you look at and in terms of another way a person can get immediate residency in the Bahamas is by 
investing in a business $1.5 million or more. And the thing is, all they got to do is be 18 years older or older and of good character. Now, of course, the immovable property, I had a lot to say about foreigners buying land and all of that. And some of the benefit for those persons coming in is that from the various countries, they have no inheritance tax, no income tax, no capital gains tax. And then those persons who may be immigrating from the poorer, more destitute situation, they find far more opportunities here than they would have found elsewhere. But we just have to open our eyes. See, the thing is, the Bahamas is a democracy. You have freedom of movement, freedom to assemble. You have free education, free medical care. We don't know what it is we have. We've been mentally conditioned, of course, in many ways, to be a people who can live in debt and in mediocrity. And we're overcoming that. And then there's also the condition that, hey, to be an employee. Now, we have to kind of get over that. I always remember my grade five teacher when I attended Mabel Walker Primary, which is in Big Pond. And her name was Thelma Dean. And this is about 50 years ago. Thelma Dean, and I can remember her. And one of the things she said is that you're living in the greatest country on earth. And she spoke of the Bahamas and, the, and its future just 50 years ago. She spoke of the Bahamas and its value to the planet. Yes, she spoke of sun, sand, and sea and the natural resources. And then she went on and talked about all the opportunities that will exist and that exist for us. I can always remember also while in grade 5, You'd have to walk from Mabel Walker and walk to Yellow Elder where I live. You had about 200 students walking along that along Blue Hill Road. And some would venture off at the Grove, then some would head off a big pond. I mean, yeah, big pond. Some would then venture off into Ridgeland Park and, of course, some in Yellow Elder. But you have about 200 of us walking that road. And I remember James Brown had the song, Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud. And I can remember 200 students, maybe even more. As we walked the street and we were singing, say it loud, and then boom, 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 I'm black and I'm proud. And you just repeated that for a whole mile as some students, you know, turn off to their destination. And then she also always spoke of protecting the environment and the value of this environment to the world. And one main thing she pointed out was, hey, the way we treat each other, that we are treated each other with respect. But you know what? They don't make teachers like that anymore. As See, as a Bahamian, she shaped my thought process in grade five and caused me to realize the possibilities that are out there. Now, your generation, the next generation, some of y'all have to capitalize on what we didn't do. But the thing is, when an item is free, there's a tendency to abuse it, misuse it, or neglect it. And the best way, I always say, to see our country and to understand what it is we have Go by boat. We have millions of people traveling through the Bahamas, millions literally traveling through the Bahamas every year, be it by yacht, cruise ship, different boats. And when they look at it, they are mesmerized. So the idea over the long haul is let's think and visualize this Bahamas. See, the thing is, you were born here and you met this grand and magnificent creation. Therefore, you just take it for granted. Now, talking about it being better in the Bahamas, let's go to the article that I mentioned that I had come across. Now, it's a it's an op-ed 
article that was written in one of the daily newspapers. I don't remember which one, and it's written by a lady named Gillian Starr, and it's appropriately entitled, It's Better in the Bahamas. Now, picking up from her, okay, article doctor by Dr. Gillian Starr, and she starts it, it is indeed better in the better, I should say, in the Bahamas. I was born an American citizen. I grew up in Grand Bahama and became a Bahamian citizen until the age of 17. The Bahamas was all I knew. We all inspired to go off to school in America to live the American dream. So I did that. Between 17 and 33 years old, I attained my degrees, became a dentist, and worked in the private and corporate worlds. I also got married, had children, and bought a home. I lived more American dreams than many Americans had ever dreamt. I was content and comfortable for many years. I understand the desire to live in the U.S. I understand how things appear, the efficiency, technology, education, professionalism, cleanliness, luxury, opportunities, diversity. However, all of those things come with a price. Really? An actual price. One that grows. Now, my degrees left me with, get this, with a $440,226.37 worth of debt. With a family of five, no amount of dentisting could pay off that debt. While paying all our bills, maintaining a happy marriage, feeding our children healthy foods, consistently giving each other quality time, and cultivating a sound spiritual life. Even if my school debt didn't exist, the demands of work limited the time left for for the most important thing, which is us. Stepping back and evaluating what matters, our peace, the number one spot. We learned that when money is the goal, everything else gets compromised, no matter how diligent you think you may be. So after 16 years of living the American dream, we made the vow to never make a decision based on the value of a dollar bill, but instead consider our peace. Is it the convenient or easy route? Nope. But for longevity and a sound mind, it's the best option for us. Both my husband and I were living our career dreams, but that left very little time for each other and our children. Thankfully, we were able to readjust our lives before it took an irreversible toll on our marriage. Our love for each other outweighs our long-time love for the careers we dreamt about and achieved. Being health conscious and admittedly a skeptical of the medical and pharmaceutical industries, yes, even as a dentist, I believe what we eat holds the most importance for our overall health. Researching the food industry in the U.S., we became distrustful of what was being fed to us, literally. Again, when money is the goal, everything else gets compromised, even if it costs lives. People are dying exponentially from heart disease, diabetes, and cancer in the U.S. Whether you live a vegan lifestyle or choose organic meats, or only eat home-cooked meals is up to you. But we must agree that what we eat is a strong determinant of that outcome. My husband is vegan, and I am pescatarian, eating fish, transitioning to veganism. Living on an island, we have a bigger variety and more control over the nature of our foods. Politics. Anywhere and everywhere, it's shady. Do I need to say it again? I will. When money is the goal, everything else gets compromised. Some countries balance better than others, but the U.S. historically has never been the most best at upholding the creed for the benefit of all. 
Simply put, my husband is a very dark-skinned, tall black man. The chances of him being in a position where he is disadvantaged, disrespected, or killed are high living in, in the U.S. just based on those characteristics. I refuse to accept the normalcy of having a conversation about the color of your skin and how that will affect you negatively with my children. That's why I'm living in the States. I grew up in the Bahamas not even knowing my own race until I was almost in high school. Speaking of school, I shouldn't have to worry about if my children might get shot dead during science class. That's sick. I'm used to fire drills, not bomb threats or school shooting drills. U.S. laws are deeply flawed and mental illness is a major issue for a country that claims to be the best in the world. How does it rank as one of the most depressed? Well, I don't know. When I left the U.S., settling our, selling our home, saying goodbye to wonderful friends, I was also saying goodbye to the conveniences of any and everything I wanted at my fingertips. I had become accustomed to a life of entitlement. Honestly, I was hesitant. What if it's 1 a.m. and I need to go grocery shopping? What if I needed a cute outfit at the last minute? Where would I go for my massages? So many first world concerns. Well, almost two years has passed and I grocery shop between the hours of 7 a.m. and 9 p.m. Imagine that. I wear whatever is in the closet to that last minute event. Imagining, imagine that. And guess what? I found the best massage therapist on this side of the Atlantic Ocean right here in Grand Bahama. I still maintain my first world needs, wax appointments, workout, workout trainer, pedicures, and indulging the best desserts on my cheat days, to name a few. My point is, I am not missing out on anything. This is my story. This is where we find peace. We co-own our business with a mission, an atmosphere that allows for positive quality time with family. We date frequently, finding some of the best restaurants from Bahamian sushi spots to Italian cuisine and some of the coolest activities from scuba diving with the shark and kayaking through the mangroves to a 4D movie theater experience. Our children are adopting the Bahamian culture, the discipline and education, the colorful music, the tropical food, the beautiful dialogue and dialect. They are getting sunburned while building sandcastle and learning to swim in our clear turquoise beaches. They are understanding that the world is much bigger and more complex than just one country or one point of view. They are learning to empathize with others from many walks of life, not seeing anyone way as the only as the only and the superior way. They have a chance at life, living with no worries as they should. Hurricane, pandemic, or apocalypse. I will, I will forever choose the Bahamas. And then I went on and I found this book called The Bahamas, The Independence and Beyond. And I look at some excerpts and it says this. As we enter a new phase of nation building, the trumpet of our forebearers and the clarion call of our offspring summon us to a nobler purpose and a higher calling. A purpose and a calling characterized by a culture of one efficiency, unity, service, sacrifice, patriotism. If we embrace these attributes and apply a new focus to problem solving, then we would have positioned ourselves to march boldly into the future with renowned confidence and unmatched national pride. And it says, hey, our best 
are still ahead. Oh man, our best are still ahead. And as we look on, right? As we look on, we must seek to serve each other. Let's build our country, this Bahamas. And let's remember, it is better in the Bahamas. Seek your opportunity to grow yourself. Become financially responsible. Become financially independent. Yes, the journey is a long one. Yes, it's a challenging road. So until next time, may the God of heaven and his son, the Christ, bless and prosper you.